So I want us to go to John 19, John 19 and verse 28. John 19, 28. We're going to read 28, 29, and 30. It says, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with some sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And I want to tell you, he did not whimper that. That was not a whimper. It was not an expression from the mouth of a weak man. But with strength and power, making a declaration, closing the door, on what he was come to do. He says, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this word today. In Jesus' name, amen want to speak to you today from the subject at the cross revelations lessons and a better understanding of it is finished there are so many things that we tend to gloss over in our excitement to get to the big finish. Many times when we study the miracles, which is what our church is doing right now, we are examining the miracles of the Bible. We have learned that there are so many amazing nuggets of truth, principles and precepts that we can live our lives by before the actual miracle. But in our rush to say, and suddenly, instantly, Immediately, we miss all of those things. Even during the resurrection season, we're so ready to get to the part where we say, and uh, he got up, you know, I don't know if they did that at y'all church. <laughs> With all power in his hand, oh Lord, he got up, remember that? Yeah, that's what they did. I used to do it too, I'm, I'm guilty. I used to be in such a hurry, but Elder Smith, Elder Johnson, the older you get, the more you appreciate taking your time. I want to smell all the roses. I'm just going to tell you, I ain't in a hurry to get nowhere. If you ride with me to Atlanta, you can forget running 100. I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing five over 80. I'm taking my time going where I'm going. Because here's what I tell people all the time. If Atlanta, first, of all, first of all, Atlanta ain't going nowhere. 
And if Atlanta has disappeared, we got big problems. I don't want to go. I ain't in no hurry. Come on, y'all. I take my time. And today's text begins with the phrase after this. Now, here at Real Life, you know, whenever you come upon an after this or something that lets you know that it's a continuance of something that happened before, you must, it is an obligation to go back and find out what happened prior to this moment. Because there are events, very important events, that preceded this particular event. So my question is, what happened? Well, in chapter 18, Judas leads a group of soldiers into the garden where Jesus was praying to arrest Jesus. They lead Jesus away to the high priest's courtyard, and after being questioned in the courtyard, they take Jesus to Pilate, who questions Jesus and tells the people that he has nothing on Jesus. And then offers to set Jesus free, but they insist that Jesus be crucified and a criminal named Barabbas be set free. Meaning, catch this revelation, that Jesus would die on his cross. Pilate then sends Jesus to be whipped. And after Jesus is whipped, he is taken back to Pilate, who once again tells the people that he has nothing on Jesus. But the people cried out these words, crucify him, crucify him. So he turns Jesus over to be crucified. The soldiers take charge of Jesus, making him carry his own cross to Golgotha, where they put on him, they put him, excuse me, in the center of two criminals, nailing him to the cross that was meant for Barabbas. I keep pointing out that he's being nailed to somebody else's cross. There's a significance there, y'all, that he is being nailed to the cross that belonged to Barabbas. But the people cried to set a known criminal free so that our Savior could go to the cross. They don't understand how used by God they were. Can I tell you that even when the enemy means bad in your life, God is working it for your good. That's what Joseph told your brothers. His brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Do you know that there are people out there who are trying to hurt you? who are trying to stop you, who are trying to trip you up, and the only thing they're doing is helping you to walk into your destiny. Somebody should have shouted right there. They, they thought, they thought that they were hurting Jesus, but what they were actually doing was promoting the agenda of God. They were just helping Jesus make it to the cross. Because Jesus said these words, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. In his conversation with Pilate, Pilate said, you got to understand, I, 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 Jesus, you're not talking to me. You, you need to answer me. And, uh, and, and, and in Isaiah, it said that he wouldn't say a word. So Jesus was silent. And so 
Pilate said, you got to talk to me because I'm the man who has the power to preserve your life. And Jesus said, you don't have that power. He said, if it wasn't the will of my father, folk would come in here, overturn this place and get me up out of here. But because it's my father's will and this is the cup that I must drink. Y'all remember Gethsemane? This is the cup that I must drink. That's why I'm here. Now, it was Roman custom, Roman custom that the person being crucified carry their own cross. Commentators say that the pole, the upright pole was already in place. What they actually carried was the cross part. And that was made of wood. The, the scriptures actually say that, that, that he was hung on the tree. And, and I want to remind you that this whole mess that we, are, we were in started with a tree. It started with a tree. Adam took fruit from a tree. And now Jesus is going to redeem us on a tree. Look at how God does things. So, so, so they carried their own cross. And something like this happened in Genesis 22, 6 through 8. And it says, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Get it? They laid the cross on Jesus. Abraham laid the wood for the sacrifice on his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire in the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So that is what's happening here, everybody. Through Christ, God is providing for himself the lamb for the sacrifice. The Bible says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. John identifies Jesus as the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. And for Isaiah, I mean, for Isaac, excuse me, a ram was caught in the bush. But for you and I, a lamb voluntarily went to the cross. In both places, the one who was supposed to die ended up living. And the one who was not supposed to die went and sacrifice. Let's continue. They placed Jesus between two criminals. Everybody say two. two. Everybody say between. between. They place it. They place him between two criminals, and in the center, or the middle of, or or in between, which points to the designation that Peter would give him in First Peter two five through six in the NIV, where it says, "For there is one God." And one mediator between God and mankind. That's what we should have shouted right there. I'll say it again. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man, Christ Jesus. Somebody say he was in the middle. Who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at the proper time. Now for some definitions, if you will. A mediator is one who mediates. 
which means, listen to this, it's coming to your screen, to occupy the middle position. Somebody shout glory. <laughs> A mediator is one who mediates, which means to occupy the middle position. They didn't even know what they were doing when they put him in the middle. <laughs> A mediator. Listen to this, is one who works to affect reconciliation, settlement, or compromise between two parties at variance. What does this mean? What does this mean? If there are two parties who are at odds with one another, the mediator gets in the middle and works it out. No, y'all didn't get it. The mediator steps in and brings reconciliation between the two parties that are at odds with one another. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Oh, somebody say thank God for reconciliation. Oh my God. He's the middleman between us and God. He's the one who worked it out. We did not have the power. We did not have the wherewithal. We did not have the resources to work things out between us and God. So Jesus came. And even to this day, Patrick, the Bible describes Jesus as the one who is sitting on the right hand of God forever making intercession for the saints. So that even when we mess up, even when we go astray, and even when we get to acting at the old people say, when we start smelling ourselves and do what we want to do, Jesus is on the right hand saying, Father, give him your grace. Father, give him your mercy. Somebody ought to be glad about that. Oh, I, listen, I need some real honest Christians to say, God, I'm glad Jesus is interceding for me. Oh, because if he wasn't talking to God on my behalf, Can I get some real people in here? I thank God I got Jesus on my side. <laughs> yeah, the mediator. So let's continue. Jesus turns his attention to his mother. Isn't it though? It's one of the most beautiful things ever. I, I, I wanted to, to, to title this sermon Golgotha, the most painful yet beautiful expression wow. of God's love. Wow. Something can be painfully beautiful. Oh. Oh. Jesus. Jesus. Hard to see Jesus go through this. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 
suffer the way he suffered, but there's also beauty in it. And the way that he ministers to his mother, he, he turns his attention to his mother. Now, I need y'all to get this now. He's hanging on a cross. He got spikes in his wrist and in his feet and a crown of thorns shoved down into his scalp. Ladies, ladies, you know when, when somebody was combing your hair back in the day? And it got a little bit, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to use a bad word, but you know what I'm saying? It got a little hard to deal with. And they're trying to pull that comb through that thing and they pull your hair on your scalp. Boy, didn't that thing hurt? Imagine having a crown of thorns shoved into your scalp. The pain must have shot through his whole body. They said that they put a little, little, little peg on it that, that he could kind of sit on, but not really sit on it. Just enough to keep the, the nails from ripping through his flesh, but then just enough to keep him uncomfortable. I'm describing the situation. With all of that going on, Jesus looks over at Mary. And he looks over at John and he says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. It amazes me that in the middle of dying on the cross that Jesus could be thinking about somebody else. Now he was dying, but he understood that upon his death, watch this, that Mary would be without his support. Because many believe that by this time Joseph is gone. He's passed on, so if that's true, she's a widow. And if Jesus passes, then her only means of support and protection is Jesus. So Jesus knows this, and so he stops everything so he could set his mother's security in place. He, all he does is what any good son would do. So not only is he a good savior, he's a good son. Now, 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 he, I believe that he was giving us the example that even in our suffering, y'all ready for this? We should never become selfish. I'll, I'll say it again. That even in our suffering, when we're going through something, when life is hard for us, when it's a struggle for us, that we should never become selfish because you know how we can shut down when stuff is going on with us. Somebody say amen. amen. But we are not nailed to a cross. I want to keep going. John 19. 28 through 30. I think I'm going to finish this faster than I thought. We're back to our text. We talked about everything that brought us to after this. Now we're going to deal with after this. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now commentators say that Jesus was unconsciously fulfilling scripture. 
that he did not realize that when he said, I thirst, that he was fulfilling scripture. Now, that's not my opinion. Because surely, if he can stop to take care of his mama, surely if he can look at the crowd and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, that he could pull it together and fulfill scripture. But here's what I say. Either way, God is awesome. Either way, either way, because he fulfilled it either way. And it was all by the plan of God. So in order to fulfill scripture, he said, I thirst. That's found in the book of Psalms. I think we went over that on Wednesday. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there. This is the wine that the soldiers would use to drink um, because this crucifixion thing took a long time sometimes. They didn't always die quick. Sometimes it went on for a long time and they would have a little something, you know, a little something, you know. They take a little taste, you know what I'm saying? You understand, past the time, and, 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 and they had a little something on the side. Somebody said something on the side. Somebody, they had a little something on the side, and, and so when Jesus said, I thirst, they took uh, 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 what, what they say was a branch of hyssop, and, and, and they put a sponge on it, and they dipped it into the sour wine, and they gave it to Jesus. Now, now the first time they tried to give him something, it was like a painkiller on a sponge, but he refused that. The first one would have dulled his senses, so he said no to that. But, thi but this, he, he, they gave it to him, put it in his lip. And, 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 and the thing about it is that some people say they put it on a javelin, and, and, and then some people say it was a hyssop. And, and the thing about the use of the word hyssop, though, um, I'm not saying that it was actually the plant, but hyssop is the same plant that they took and dipped into the blood of the lamb that was slain at the Passover. When, 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 when the death angel was coming to take the firstborn. And they took the hyssop and dipped the leaves into the blood and put it over the doorpost. They used the word hyssop. David, when he sinned with Bathsheba and sent her husband to the front line, he said, purge me with hyssop. Wash me. And it, but they, 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 they had odds about but they used the word hyssop, though. Yeah. And so all of that was coming through my mind. Somebody say revelation. revelation. And all that was coming through my mind as I read about this hyssop. But they gave him the wine and they put it to his mouth. And so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he says these words, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, didn't he tell them that no man take my life from me? Didn't he tell them that? He said, no man take my life from me. He said, I lay it down. He said, and if I lay it down, he said, I have the power to take it up again. That, that's why we're here today, because he took it up again. He said, this authority has been given to me by my father. My daddy told me I could do it. 
My daddy told me I could lay my life down. My daddy told me I can take it up again. You know what it means to you when your daddy tells you you can do it. I'll never forget the day my dad spoke into my life and told me who I was. It changed my whole world. Can you imagine what it meant for Jesus when he said, son, you can do this. Nobody else on earth can do it but you can lay it down and you can take it up again. So the Lexham Bible, the Lexham English Bible says it this way. It is completed. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Yeah. The mounts reverse interlinear says. That's a, that's a real Bible. It's called the mounts. The mounts reverse interlinear. Okay. All right. What it says is it is accomplished. And he bowed his head and handed over his spirit. Jesus. Sound like he picked the moment that he would die. Like, like, like it was all in his control. Like, like death was over there somewhere and couldn't come until he gave it permission. That's our Savior. That's the God we serve. Somebody say the God I serve. Do you know death can't bother you until he releases it? That's why things that should have took us out of here huh? couldn't take us out of here. We are alive today by the grace, the mercy, and the choice of the almighty God. Okay, I, I, I got I to gotta hurry. So the New International Version said, it is finished. And then with that, those two words are important. With that, after he said it is finished, with that, he bowed his head. See? And gave up his spirit. Like, like it is finished was like, this is, the, this is the word right here. This is the trigger word. And when he said it is finished, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So I asked the question, Shalisa, what does it mean for something to be finished? Come on, meditate on that for a minute. Yeah? Think about it. When you say something's finished. My grandmother, when I used to wash the dishes, I used to just wash the dishes. And she would say, are you finished? And I would say, yes. And then she would go into the kitchen. Check behind me. I was, I was a little bit, uh, yeah, I was. I was kind of offended. 
I told you I finished. I'm finished. What I learned later is I was finished to me. I wasn't finished to her. Because to her, washing the dishes meant sweeping the floor, wiping down the counter, cleaning off the stove. It was a whole lot of stuff wrapped up in wash the dishes. And so I wasn't finished. And taking out the trash, Elder. Amazing how similar our upbringings are. But the word finished means, it's coming to your screen right now, entirely done. Jesus said, it is entirely done. It is finished is one word in the Greek, though, which is tetelestai, meaning paid in full. What, what everybody, please just put your hand on your own chest and say, my sin debt. Has been paid in full. Now go ahead and do what that makes you do. Go ahead. Come on, however you want to express your joy. Go ahead and express your joy over that. My debt. Come on, virtual audience. My debt, my sin debt has been paid in full. Meaning that there is nothing else that needs to be done. There is nothing else we need to do except believe that what Jesus did was enough to get it done. That the price he paid was all that needed to be paid. Do not let anybody fool you or trick you into thinking that what Jesus did was not enough to save you. Don't let anybody fool you into adding anything more to that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is it that simple? Yeah. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Is it that simple? Yeah. He did not make it complicated because he took care of the complicated. He took care of the hard part. It's paid in full. Somebody shout paid in full. The wrath of God was satisfied. The penalty for sin had been paid. All prophecy concerning the Messiah had been fulfilled. The seed of the woman has bruised the head of the serpent. Y'all remember that from Genesis, right? That's what he told Satan. No more sacrifice for sin to be offered. No more priest going into the holies of holies on our behalf. The types and the shadows could be done away with 
because the anti-type had come. We are no longer the enemies of God. The sin that separated uh, men from God had been atoned for. And God has reconciled man unto himself. We are no longer aliens and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The power of Satan has been defeated. For Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. And the words of John 3.16 have been realized. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And because it is finished real life, as I close today one time, we can confidently say, I am saved. I am sanctified. Help me. I am Holy Ghost filled. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and real life. Y'all better shout with me. Abundant life. The God kind of life. Come on, say it. Belongs to me. Come on, give it glory. Because it's finished, when we declare that I am saved, say it with me, I am sanctified, I am Holy Ghost filled, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, come on, and real life, abundant life, the God kind of life, who does it belong to? Belongs to me. Can you worship him for that right now? His sacrifice made that possible. His death on the cross made that possible. When I was a little boy, they used to sing a song at the cross. At the cross. Where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. Come on. And now I am happy all the day. Father God, thank you for the sacrifice of your son on the cross of Calvary. Everything it means for us. Not just what it meant, but what it means today for us. Thank you for what his resurrection means for us. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because he got up. Thank you for what happened at the cross. Thank you 
for an understanding of it is finished. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.